cars still look fantastic here. You know, you've got all the skyscrapers around. It's right in the centre of Singapore. For Red Bull to have, you know, these races, they're not they're not chasing the wins off, and they're just kind of letting them letting them happen. Before they become Audi, a full Audi works team with an Audi engine in 2026. I don't think it's pressure internally on Stroll, but this is the kind of race where you look at someone like Lance Stroll and you think it's a real it's it's a real test of a driver. Welcome to Unlapped, ahead of the Singapore Grand Prix. I'm Katie George, alongside Nate Saunders and Lawrence Edmondson. Lawrence just touched down in Singapore. Before we get you into our preview, I have to ask, friend of the podcast, Chris Medlin, just got married over the weekend. How was it, gentlemen? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Really, really great wedding in Hereford, which was a random location for it to be. Uh, But yeah, beautiful day, beautiful venue. Lawrence has a better story than me, though, because he actually participate in a huge way of getting a very important part of the wedding to the wedding. So I'll let him uh, carry that on. But it's a very, very cool addition to the the whole the, the whole thing. Well, you say that, Nate. I, I think you gave a very important contribution because you did one of two best man speeches. And, yeah, that's uh, true. I wasn't officially the best man, but I was. I, I stepped in f- to the role. Um, yes. Chris did this modern thing now where you split the best man duties between various people. And so... Um, yeah, there were two speeches. Um, I think it was uh, uh, Jess's stepdad who, who who gave the rings over during the ceremony. Uh, I had the very difficult job of signing the register, um, which uh, I w- I did excellently. I'd, I'd like to add, <laughs> and um, but I also had the the very uh, 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 lucky job of driving the wedding car to the event, and the wedding car was a surprise, um, and it was a uh, AC Cobra re- replica. And so uh, I had to drive that all the way from Clapham Junction in London to Hereford, which is a good kind of four hours, especially um, oh when you gosh. stop for, for fuel and, and and the rest of it. Uh, but I was blessed with beautiful weather, as was the, the wedding day itself. And um, yeah, a lot of fun in uh, what is um, a quite temperamental, but uh, incredibly fun car to drive that gets lots of good looks along the way. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're on social media, and uh, you can check out either Chris Medlin's uh, Instagram or now Jess Medlin's Instagram. I'm not sure if she's changed it to, to Jess Medlin. It may still be uh, uh, Jess McFadden. Uh, either of their Instagrams and see the AC Cobra uh, if, if you're into that kind of thing. And of course, some beautiful wedding pictures. So real quick, I don't want to digress too much, but how did these roles come about? Because to me, no offense, Nate, Lawrence seems like the perfect person for his role. Because I don't think I would trust you to get that car from oh. London four hours where it needed <laughs> oh, yeah. to be on wedding day on time. You would forget something, I think. But yeah. you stepping in and giving a speech feels like a good role for you as well. Yeah, I would have if you'd asked me to drive the car, I'd have politely declined and said, "Mate, you don't <laughs> you don't want me to do it." Um, yeah, the speech was was more in my uh, in my lane, I think, and I think it went pretty well. Everyone seemed to really like it, and I I. I had about an hour where I just didn't drink anything, you know, before you do it. And then the closer we got to it, I was like, I think I need to drink a glass of wine. So I had a very big glass of white wine before I went up and did the trick perfectly. So no nerves. It was just just the right amount. So, yeah, I think both of us uh, did it pretty well. But it is, it's is—it's a good division of labor at a wedding. Uh, I think Meta seemed to have about 10 different people doing different things and it. It worked really well. That's awesome. Yeah, the uh, the build up to your speech, if you have to give a speech at a wedding, is always the worst. Like you can't enjoy any part of the wedding until after your yeah. speech has been overdone with. You get applause, and then you can really let loose, which I'm sure you did. Um, 
Remember, that's awesome, guys. Remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment, and don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, please hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It means a great deal to us. Let's hit our Grand Prix preview. All right, Lawrence, we're going to Singapore. You're obviously there in your swanky, sleek, modern hotel. Can you give us just a breakdown of the Marina Bay circuit and what to expect this weekend? Yeah, well, um, it's changed slightly this year. Uh, mm-hmm. For the first time since it first came on the calendar in 2008, it's changed. And uh, to go back to that 2008 race, it was the first uh, night race in F1. And um, it's kind of got this now legendary status as, as one of the great street circuits in F1 and the original night race. And the cars still look fantastic here. You know, you've got all the skyscrapers around. It's right in the centre of Singapore. You know, if you were going to do a street race, you know, every now and again, we see new street races slightly out of the centre of of a city, but this one is bang in the middle of it, uh, and you really kind of get a, a feel for the city um, as the cars are, are driving around. Uh, so, yeah, they, they've changed it slightly. They've um, t- taken four corners out, all in the final sector, and created a, a long straight instead. Uh, that's because they're redeveloping an area uh, where they had a grandstand, which basically faced out into the harbour area. And uh, the track used to loop around that, so used to come around in front of it and then go underneath the grandstand. And uh, famously, that was where Nelson Piquet junior crashed on purpose uh, in that first race in 2008 uh, to swing it in the favor of his teammate Fernando Alonso in what later became known as as Crashgate. Um so there's a bit of history in in this race um but uh, more than anything else it is a really tough tough challenge for the drivers. Uh Lando Norris was speaking at an event today I was at uh, McLaren relieved their that uh, released their new livery uh for for this mm-hmm. weekend and next weekend in japan uh, they've gone into what they call stealth mode so it's all kind of bare carbon fiber and orange and it's quite cool um but he was saying at last year's race he lost three kilos yes. in weight which which is not an insignificant amount and also because remember a lot of these drivers uh you know are kind of weigh as little as kind of 60 70 kilos so you're talking about a big percentage of of, of weight loss uh to the point that it's actually um it actually becomes a, an issue uh you know concentrating still once you've lost that much we've had that much dehydration going on in your body is uh, is incredibly difficult so the drivers have lots of different ways of trying to keep themselves healthy and keep themselves uh hydrated um and then also just deal with 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 the inevitable heat stress as well that comes uh with with just trying to dissipate that amount of heat as they go around the track do you think nate that this is the toughest physical test on the circuit or on the calendar i should say yeah, I think so. You often hear that from the drivers. Just trying to remember if this was the place where Kimmy was famously told, Kimmy, you will not have the drink, or if that was another place um, when his water bottle didn't work. But there's been times when drivers have finished Singapore and their water bottle hasn't worked, and you you can see, you know, they almost have to be pulled out of the car. You know, it's that bad. So I think I, I'm i trying to think of any others that drivers say are, are challenging, but Singapore is, is right up there because it has all of those elements to kind of really test the drivers, as Lawrence mentioned. So um yeah it's pretty it's it's pretty intense and i think just a great event a fantastic event and it's one of those that you know the drivers should be in a position where they're challenged like that because obviously this is the pinnacle of racing and i think that's one of the reasons that adds a bit of a bonus to it they feel at the end of a singapore grand prix i think they feel like we've really achieved something you know on top of what on top of all the other feelings you probably have at the end of a grand prix the only one that ever came close was uh malaysia which uh geographically is very close so we're we're just north of the equator in singapore and uh the race in malaysia was a little bit further north but they held that during the day so not only did you have um the humidity and the heat Heat. that hangs around uh, this part of the world but you had you know the the sunlight as well so 
that was always a really tough one. Um, but going back to this race, I think it was uh, 2014, Kevin Magnuson was telling this story last year or a few years ago about how um, he had a radiator leak. And so, um, you know, a very small one, but enough that it was kind of, the car was basically pumping uh, even more hot air and kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, steam in, in, into his uh, cockpit. And uh, he said that, you know, he got out, he had, I think he had some kind of burns, not too serious, but some burns on his back. And he said that he was driving around there just waiting to black out because, you know, the situation in the cockpit was so bad. Um, but he still finished 10th in that race and, and got a point. Um, but he said he was absolutely ruined afterwards. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it is one of the toughest, if not, I think it is now the toughest physical challenge on the F1 calendar. I know you guys experience Miami in May, which is a little bit different, but for our American listeners and viewers, like Miami in August and September, I was just there a weekend to go for college football. Like you step out of the car or walk out of the hotel and it's just, it's so swampy and muggy because of the humidity. It feels like you're taking a bath while you walk outside. Does it feel like that? Is it, is it 10 times that like what's a comparable other than Malaysia just for, you know, people across the pond? Yeah, I'd say Miami is the closest I've uh, I've come to it at another race. It's a really good point, actually. Miami is very hot. I think um, the nature of this circuit kind of makes it uh, more difficult as well. It's just corner after corner after corner. Um, not necessarily a long lap. It's um, only five kilometers. What about mm -hmm. kind of, you know, three, just over three miles or so. But um, yeah, it's it. this race takes a long time. It's a relatively slow track, which means to cover the race distance, which this year has gone up one lap to 62 laps over 61 because of the changes to the track um, takes sometimes the full two hours, especially once you have yeah. safety cars thrown in there as well. So yeah, I, I'd say Miami is a, is a very fair comparison, but uh, the humidity levels do feel a little bit, a little bit higher even here uh, than there. Um, but either way, you know, the, so some drivers actually to train do quite simple, quite literally bring a, uh, a, a, cycle bike or a rowing machine into a sauna uh and, and train right. in the sauna to try and replicate oh. uh, the humidity and get their body used to the humidity because talking to some of the trainers if, if you kind of start preparing uh, a couple of weeks out or even a week out and you start um say running in the south of france where it's still quite hot this time of year but wearing a hoodie or you know uh you know quite uh you know, thick jogging trousers and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you can start to uh, adapt the body to, to to what it's going to have to deal with here. But um, yeah, if you were just thrown straight in to this race, even an, an elite racing driver like the ones we have in Formula One, uh, without any preparation, that they would struggle, especially in the second half of the race. It's the second half of the race where, um, you know, they, they can, uh, all the tricks they've done before by trying to reduce body temperature with ice vests mm -hmm. and kind of ice uh, around their their neck and towels and stuff like that, all, all of those advantages start to wear off. And as Nate mentioned, the drinks bottle by that point may be dry, may not be yeah. working at all. And uh, and that's where it really hits. And so if you see, you know, drivers make uncharacteristic errors at this at this circuit, um, while it's impossible to say it was absolutely linked to uh, dehydration and heat stress, um, it, it's often a concern. It's certainly something that the, the trainers, the driver trainers are trying to uh, eliminate as much as they can. Passion, drive and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. 
With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So it's physically grueling. It's a tricky layout. And obviously, management of tire conditions becomes very, very important in this climate. As we look to Red Bull to continue its unbelievable streak, which Helmut Marco uh, recently said, which I think is interesting, if we win in Singapore then the chance is there that we can win all the races. Of course, it's becoming a goal now. Early on in the season, it felt like the team was kind of hedging. You know, that's not our focus. There's still a long season ahead of us. But it it kind of feels like, Nate, that Singapore is kind of the catalyst. If we can win here, then, yeah, we probably can win them all. Is this the toughest track for Red Bull that we'll see? Yeah, I think so. And I think that um, Mercedes often found that this was one of the ones when they were dominating, they had a few years where, they struggled at, and they, you know, they worked hard to, to fix those problems. But I, I kind of agree with them. You know, if you look at the, the remaining races now, the one that stands out where you could, you know, especially just the nature of the circuit as well, mm-hmm. where you may have issues, you know, you, you might not have either driver finish. Yeah, I would, I, I would say I agree with that. And it's interesting as well that he's actually admitted that, Marco, because Red Bull have been very clever at not mm-hmm. playing that up. You know, they've downplayed the unbeaten season as much as possible. Obviously, Marco's a bit of a loose cannon, it's fair to say. Um, so I'm not sure if that's been something that Christian Horner would admit to this weekend. Um, but yeah, I think um, win this one, win Suzuka as well, which is obviously seven days after. Um, and I think all it would take something, it would take reliability. I think at this point anyway, it will take reliability to stop them winning. But you know, you get past those two races and I think that you can start to rest, rest a bit easier looking at what's left on the calendar. Although Vegas might be, you know, Vegas is just such a wild card event that might be up there as well. Max even admitted after Monza that, you know, Singapore is going to be a little bit more difficult, might not be the strongest weekend for us. Why does he feel that way, Lawrence? Um, it's a good question. I, I, I think it's because um, if you look at the most similar track to Singapore, it's probably Baku and they were out qualified by Ferrari there. So while, you know, this is a little bit different, it's real high downforce, uh, which doesn't really suit the Ferrari um it it you know it could be a weakness and i don't know i i i feel like yeah there's you know there's all the environmental kind of uh, issues that you have in in racing in this heat that, that 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 could lead to failures and so on so perhaps there's a bit of that but I, you know i i think we're talking about okay there's a very slight uh, chance that you know this could be the most likely one they lose out on but they've been winning races by 20 30 seconds <laughs> yeah. so uh, as much as i'd like to sit here and say you know red bull are going to be challenged and, you know, they're going to have Mercedes and Aston Martins and Ferraris crawling all over them throughout the race. I, I don't think that's the case. I think, the you know, it is the case that their car, which has been mightily fast everywhere, sometimes by in the race, certainly by margins, you know, that we haven't uh, seen for many, many years. 
I can't see that all turning around just on on by looking at the layout of this track or the conditions of this track. But you know, I, I guess if yeah, if you're looking at a ranking of of which circuits they're most likely to struggle on uh, before the end of the year, then perhaps this one would be at the top. And Max, <clears throat> I think one thing we've seen from him is that he's, I think he'd already got got the trait. You know, he was kind of refining it, but he knows that as well now, which I think is key. Like you look at Monza, he obviously had a bit of a go trying to get past signs, but he knew he could wait, let that race come to him. And I think that that ultimately even if he has a bad start, qualifies poorly, I think there's going to be a knowledge that like, you know, just let this race come to us. I think Perez, you know, to a lesser degree, probably thinks, probably knows that as well. I mean, he, you know, he should be you know, coming through the field as well. So that's a huge, a huge mental gain for, um, for Red Bull to have, you know, these races, they're not, they're not chasing the wins off and they're just kind of letting them, letting them happen, which I think is a huge, just a huge relief for them going into races because it's just one less thing you've got to worry about. Nate, are you expecting a big weekend from Sergio Perez? Obviously, we know he's had success on street circuits in the past. Yeah, well, there was a time, wasn't there? We were calling him the street king. Um, you know, that seems like a long time ago now. Yes. And I think, to be honest with you, I, I am, because I think that even though he's had a bad spell, if you look back to the two wins this season, he had, um, he had Saudi and he had uh, Baku. So mm-hmm. two circuits you know, in similar conditions to this. And if you look at where he's been strongest when he's been at Red Bull, he has been strongest on on street circuits. Um, now, obviously the crash in Monaco is kind of what triggered this horrible downturn in form, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like Perez is over the worst of that now. You know, he's kind of come out the other end. Red Bull, to their credit, I think, kind of didn't, quite uncharacteristically for them, given some of other other teammates Verstappen's had, they didn't immediately throw him to the lion's den. They said, you know, we think he'll come back. You know, they kept kind of extending, even though they were kind of, they were kind of giving him little jabs, but they were also saying we think he's going to come out of it. And he slowly mm-hmm. I don't think he's I don't think he's performing anywhere as good as he should, just to clarify, because you know he's in he's in such a good car. But if you look at his his performances compared to where they were two months ago, he's in a much better space. So he should come to Singapore. He should remember this is a you know, hopefully remember this is one of the places he should go well at. Um and he's got the best car underneath him. Um so I'm hoping so. And I think I don't know. You know, there was obviously some, you know, Marco had to roll back from, from some pretty offensive comments he made last week about Perez. I hope he comes kind of with renewed kind of motivation and vigor to kind of just to kind of shut Marco up a little bit. You know, there's been a lot of things said back and forth, yeah. not necessarily from Christian Horner, actually. It's mainly come from Helmut Marco. Um, but, you know, hopefully that's fired him up. And and obviously as well, you know, there's everyone's talking about when, when Max is going to win the championship. We know he's going to win it. I feel like if you're Perez, you want to kind of go down fighting. Even if Max does win it in Qatar, you know, with a few races left, you kind of want to go out. You don't want to go out with a whimper. You want to be like, I, I still won a race before he won the championship. It's very difficult to see that happening given Max's form. But if you're Perez, you've got to you've got to back yourself. Um, and I think just for the sake of an entertaining couple of races, I, I'm 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 hoping he can do it because also Perez, you know, when he's we haven't seen it for so long, but when Perez really nails it. He's really capable of having these really, really great weekends. And his problem has been, he's just, especially this season, has just not been able to make them consistent at all. He's had maybe, two, you know, he had the two races where he won this mm-hmm. year, but obviously Max had, uh, I think he had a penalty at one, started down the order for the other one. As, as far as I remember, it might have been penalties at both. So, you know, hard to hard to see him beating Max Verstappen if they go toe-to-toe. But I think if you're Perez right now, you've just got to put yourself in the conversation. Put yourself on the front row with Max and just try and take the fight to him because that's at the moment that's what everyone wants to see him do mm-hmm. regardless of if Perez is in the conversation for a podium or not we've come to expect that Max Verstappen is certainly going to be up there but the fight behind the po- for podiums has been pretty interesting you know week in and week out 
Lawrence Mercedes feels like this track layout possibly could favor their car. Um, what are your expectations for who will be in a legitimate spot to fight for a podium in Singapore out of Mercedes, Aston Martin, McLaren? I know you mentioned Ferrari earlier, but just based on the way that this circuit is laid out and the cars, how they have fared and, you know, recent um, races, you know, who do you, who do you expect to really be up there? Yeah, I think um, if you look at the form book on these types of track, you'd probably go with Mercedes and Aston Martin. Um, when the downforce kind of gets put back on the cars with, you know, the biggest possible uh, rear wing and, um, yeah, and, you know, a decent sized front wing as well. And uh, that that's when Mercedes and Aston Martin have, have looked at their best. Uh, Ferrari is almost the opposite. When you strip the downforce away from that car, um, it relatively performs better to, um, to, to, to the others. But of course you need, there's no point in stripping downforce away for the sake of it. You, you need a circuit mm-hmm. where that's going to give you an advantage. And Monza was exactly that, which is why we think the Ferrari was so fast there compared to, uh, recent tracks. So yeah, I, I think, um, there is maybe an argument for Ferrari, as I said earlier in the, uh, Baku, a, uh, fairly similar street circuit, uh, with 90 degree corners, much like we have here. Uh, Charlotte Clerk was on pole. The car was very quick. So um, that nature of corner, so the 90 degree corners, uh, perhaps does um, suit Ferrari to some extent. But I think it's like, um, you know, it's like all these races at the moment. And I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it really does depend on uh, getting setups right early on, drivers feeling confident, especially here. It's a big confidence circuit. The walls are very close. It's not quite as tight and narrow as, as Monaco, but, um, you know, it doesn't take much for... Uh, a small mistake to turn into um, a big mistake in the barriers. So, um, you know, th- 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 those are key factors. And so a lot of it will be down to which teams can c- can get running uh, straight away. Um, I think the removal of the uh, four corners in, in the final sector under this new layout and, and the longer straight um, will, uh, you know, will probably help Ferrari to some extent relative to the others, but I'm not sure if it'll be quite enough to, to get them ahead of uh, Mercedes and Aston Martin, who... I would say are probably the two that, that you're looking at for this track. We'll see, because obviously they want to build off the momentum that they created and generated and Monza, which was so much fun to see. When you look, Nate, at the best of the rest, what other drivers do you have your eye on? You know, we've got three rookies making their debut at a very tough track and Liam Lawson, Oscar Piastri and Logan Sargent. Um, who will you be, you know, keying in on to see how they perform at the circuit? I think all three of those guys are really interesting ones to watch for that exact reason. I mean, Lawson is a fascinating situation because Ricardo's still not back yet from that um, that hand injury he got at Zandvoort. And this is a really good opportunity for someone like Lawson to kind of show what they can do. You know, it's a really tough circuit. You know, if you can come through, I think he impressed at Monza, but if you can come through Singapore, even if you can snatch a point, even if he doesn't, you know, it's one of those weekends where if you can keep the car out of the wall, if you can, you know, if you can just impress the guys that are, that are putting you in that seat, I think it could stand him in good stead for for next year, assuming he's still in the contention for that. I think he's got an outside chance. What I'm interested to see, I'm interested to see uh, how McLaren does here, because obviously we've seen McLaren go up uh, earlier in the season. This is a circuit where you look at them and you think, given everything we know about the car, it shouldn't be, or everything we knew about the car anyway, it shouldn't be such a good weekend. But we'll kind of see where, we'll kind of see where they're at, because, you know, they had that, that great spell where they came back with the podiums. Um, things haven't quite gone their way, you know, the last two races, but I'm curious to see what they can do. And to be honest with you, I think one of the great things about this race is that you always get, you always get some either in qualifying or in the race, you get somebody completely out of position and 
you know, you you end up seeing really scrappy fights. I mean, I was just I was watching a montage this morning of when Schumacher basically tried to barge his way through. This was kind of Schumacher version two. It wasn't the it wasn't the Schumacher who won all those championships. And I forget who he who he's driving past. We basically just drive straight ahead and just like push the guy into the wall. And you do see some really brilliant overtaking at Singapore, but you can see really desperate drivers getting very, very clumsy with their overtakes later okay. in the race as well. And I think a lot of that does go to what Lawrence was saying about the condition they're in as well. So with especially for those rookies, it's a real mental test uh, as much as anything. Um, so yeah, I think I think a lot of drivers are going to either stand out or they'll look you know look, look really really bad. We mentioned Aston Martin as well. I think mm-hmm. this growing. I don't think it's pressure internally on Stroll, but this is the kind of race where you look at someone like Lance Stroll and you think it's a real it's it's a real test of a driver. I think Alonso is going to do very well. He's always you know he's I think one of his one of his best wins was in Singapore. Um, and I think a guy like Stroll really is going to be magnified against his teammate, you know, if he doesn't do well. So mm-hmm. things like things like that you're always looking out for. Lawrence, what are your expectations from Alex Albon and Williams? You got points in back-to-back races. Williams has now jumped Alfa Romeo and Haas in the constructors' standings. He seems to be like he's in great form. When you talk about the physical tests of this, you know, is he up to task? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he he's uh he's more it will get the best out of whatever the car can do. My concern being that the car might struggle around here relative to yeah. Monza. But we said that about uh, other circuits and um, the Williams kind of came good. Zanville, it was surprisingly quick on a, on a high downforce track. So um, it, it's interesting now because Williams, I think so many of us have got in our heads because after so many seasons of them struggling, that they are the backmark team. But they're seventh in the championship now and they're leading that group of kind of four teams which are a long way off the six above, um, you know, Williams, Haas, Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tauri. And so, uh, yeah, they're, they're, I think they're 10 points clear now of Haas uh, in that battle. And uh, all of those points, all 21 of the points that Williams have are Alex Albon's. Uh, so there's a bit of pressure on on Sargent to perform. But I don't think they'll be going to this track thinking, oh, here's a chance to double down on advantage. I think it'll be a case of um, making sure they have a clean weekend to try and get the cars good as they possibly can because there is a possibility that this race turns into one of attrition at which point you know you can get uh cars which are less competitive scoring points so i guess that will be the plan but um yeah like i said williams was surprised us so many times this week uh this year sorry uh that um i wouldn't put it past them doing it again i just wanted to clarify i just had to double check the year when I said it was one of Alonso's best wins, I obviously didn't mean 2008, which was when <laughs> his teammate crashed. So he won it. It was 2010 Singapore Grand Prix. He held Vettel off for the whole race. But I was just trying to remember the year that was. I was like, it's either 10 or 12. And I wanted to double check it. Um, just before people think that I think somehow Alonso's crash gate win was, was one of the crowning <laughs> moments of his career, because uh, it definitely wasn't. <laughs> um, like, and, and, and you know how people are on Twitter. Somebody mm-hmm. would have sent me a message being like, well, actually, you know, shouldn't have won the race. 100%. Like Felipe Felipe Massa burner account probably. <laughs> A good <laughs> distinction. Thank you. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. 
a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. A couple other bits of news. Obviously, with Mercedes renewing Lewis Hamilton and George Russell's contracts through 2025, we now have four open seats that remain. Joe Grenu is close, possibly. There are reports, Lawrence, that he's getting close to re-upping with Alfa Romeo. What do we know about that? And then obviously we'll maybe hit the other three seats. Yeah, it, it, his contract expires at the end of this year, so he, he needs to sign a new one if he's going to stay in F1. Uh, the noises have been fairly good throughout the season that he'll stay there, but um, the threat for Joe for, for that seat is, is Teo Porcher, who is a Sauber junior driver um, competing in Formula 2 and leading the Formula 2 championship at the moment. It looks like he'll win it. Um, and mm-hmm. so that, you know, would definitely throw his hat in the ring there. Um, Alfa Romeo, Sauber, they won't actually be called Alfa Romeo next year. That sponsorship deal will come to an end. So it'll be Sauber next year. Mm-hmm. And they'll be in this weird kind of transition uh, period for two years, 24 and 25, before they become Audi, a full Audi works team with an Audi engine in 2026. So it's a strange situation. They've got Valtteri under contract for another year, Valtteri Bottas. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also need to start looking at who they're going to line up long term uh, so that when 2026 does roll around, they've got uh, drivers that kind of meet the aspirations that they have, which will be, I mean, I don't know whether they'll be able to do it straight out of the box. It'll be very unlikely, I think. But they'll certainly be targeting you know, podiums, wins, and eventually titles. And so they'll want a driver who's capable of doing that. And so... You know, there's lots of rumours that swirl around. Carlos Sainz often gets linked to that team. Uh, I've heard Lando Norris be linked to that team before as well. But we're now, you know, that's a little bit further down the road. So mm-hmm. if they keep Joe in the car for another year, I think it makes a certain amount of sense because, uh, you know, he is now operating at a level which I don't think is quite on the standard as uh, of Valtteri. I don't think he's quite got the pace and he doesn't quite seem to get the same amount of points by the end of the year um but he's he's not a million miles off and so if you bring in a rookie even Porcher, who does look good um there's just that risk that you end up throwing away a few points here and there and as we know you know that can cost a lot of money uh in the prize fund from the constructors championship mm-hmm. so yeah I, i'd say joe is 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 a safe pair of hands going forward and if that's the mentality of that team just to see them through this period before they start really hunting uh bigger name drivers uh, I, I could see that coming together fairly soon that leaves Logan Sargent and then neither driver for AlphaTauri is still confirmed for next season. So dealer's choice, Nate, where would you like to go with that? And what are your expectations? I think, I mean, Lawrence is going to think I'm going to take the Ricardo one, but I'm not. I'm going to say Logan Sargent. Um, I think Sargent, I think we've mentioned this before. If you'd asked me three months ago, I'd have said Sargent's a shoe in for another seat next season. It always seemed like, you know, that, you know, that obviously they'd had him before he, came into Formula One. He was affiliated with Williams, American owners there, but he just hasn't, he hasn't performed in the way that they've wanted him to. And Lawrence is absolutely right what he said earlier. All the points have gone to Albon. Um, you know, the, I mean, it, it wouldn't have actually made a, a difference to their championship because Alpine are so much further ahead in the next slot, but it has left them vulnerable to the teams below them. And I think that that is a big, big deal. It's interesting there. I think that the, the one thing that I think might take it away from Sargent is the fact that James Vowles has gone there. We've heard Toto Wolf say over and over again that he thinks that Mick Schumacher should be in Formula One. I don't quite, I don't necessarily agree that Mick showed enough at Haas to, for that to be the case. But it's interesting to see now if Fowles' relationship with Wolf means that Mick comes into that car. 
But Mick's another interesting one. I don't think Mick did enough at Haas to really prove either way. I mean, you look at it. You, do you want to take Logan Sargent? Do you want to take Mick Schumacher? I think either of those, it's kind of, they're both a bit of kind of a, you know, shrug your shoulders, kind of meh kind of kind of thing. So I don't know whether, I don't know whether Williams will be convinced to go in that direction or not. Um, but certainly Logan Sargent, the noise around that team is that it's not as certain as it once was. Um, and then Alpha Tower is a really fascinating one. Um, I still think Ricardo's kind of got the seat locked down if he wants it. I think the injuries probably complicated it a little bit, but mm-hmm. if you're if you're the and you look at this from a wider perspective, if you're the company that are coming in and buying Alpha Tauri and you're becoming the title sponsor, we believe it could be Hugo Boss, there's a few other teams, sorry, a few other companies involved there. Do you want a guy like you know, sorry, I say a guy like Liam Lawson. What I mean is a rookie like Liam Lawson is not very well known, hasn't been in a series of Netflix. Or do you want Daniel Ricciardo in that car? You know, probably behind Lewis, behind maybe one or two others, probably the most marketable guy in F1 still. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that alone wins it for Ricardo and the fact that he came back was very, very good in those first two races he had back with him. And then it'd be difficult to see them get rid of Sonoda. So I don't know, Lawson on the sidelines again, but it's it's tough, isn't it? Because he's so far has shown he's he's, he's acquitted himself pretty well. So mm-hmm. that is yeah. a really fascinating one. And I think that Red Bull have kind of inadvertently ended up in a situation with a real headache with that decision because it wasn't meant to be they had three drivers going for those two seats it was meant to be ricardo comes back and then we've got him for a year and a half and alpha tauri will deal with it down the line even though ricardo's deal is to the end of this year i've always felt that it was like prove yourself this year if you can't do it we'll put lawson in if you can do it we'll keep him in front of the year and then you can try and get the red bull seat when perez is gone but lawson coming in is just it's just complicated a bit and i don't know you know lawrence might have heard differently since he's got to singapore but it does seem still like it's very much an open question around you know what Lawson does uh, beyond this stint in the car. Laz, if you were running Alfatari, what driver pairing would you go with? Um, well, definitely stick with Sonoda because uh, I think you know he's been very good this year. I think a lot of the weaknesses that he had in previous seasons he's addressed, and really, when the car is is at the back of the field like that, you can only really judge him against against teammates and um, all three teammates he's now had this year. I mean, admittedly, two of them have, have only just kind of got back or kind of back into F1, Lawson into F1. Uh, so it's not a direct comparison, but I think he's looked he's looked very solid either way. Um, and then, you know, it's, it, it, is a, it is a difficult decision. I completely agree with what Nate said about the value of Ricardo in the car. Mm. And really, I do want Ricardo to be given this chance, you know, especially with what's happened recently with the broken hand and uh, the recovery from that. You know, I, I would like to see him given a full go at it because otherwise it's going to be a massive what if certainly in his head but I think in, in a lot of people's heads mm-hmm. but then equally you know Lawson's performances so far have been very good and um I guess you know the next two races if it was actually me making the decision uh I I would look at the next two races which we're expecting both to be driven by Lawson before Ricardo targets Qatar to come back hopefully it's not guaranteed at all but hopefully um and then see what the performances are like and if Lawson does something which is so standout and so brilliant, or even if it's not that from the outside, but the engineering team can see it from the inside, then, yeah, you, you'd start to, uh, you know, see what you'd do between Lawson and Ricardo and, and make a call. But um, I would probably go to uh, Sonoda Ricardo. Um, but it does seem harsh on Lawson because he's done a great job coming in. Yeah, and he's kind of... It, 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 it's such a difficult decision for them as well because... I don't want to say the future of the driver program hinges on this, but if you pick an old, you know, a guy who's 34 over Lawson, 21, part of your driver academy, 
you kind of then question what is the point of having that driver academy there. So they have left themselves in a funny position. I wonder as well if it was it was under a different time at Williams, but when Albon went to Williams, he went still affiliated to Red Bull. I wonder if the solution here is for Red Bull, you try and get Lawson. You say you say to Williams, look, you've obviously got an issue there with Sargent. Yeah. We can pay. We can pay. Put Lawson in this seat. You know, you know, create a situation where he's still driving there. He's still got the Red Bull branding on. That was obviously a deal done. You know, in a different time at Williams, but you wonder whether they'd be open to the same thing. You know, you've got a young, hungry rookie there, a guy that Red Bull believe in enough to have kept him part of the program. I don't know. That might be that might be a way around it. But again, <clears throat> complicated with the politics in Formula One. You never know how open those those possibilities are. But at the moment, that is one way the, the only way all three of those drivers will be on the grid next year is if they can yeah. kind of farm Lawson out to Williams. That's exactly where my mind went. If you're going to move on from Logan Sargent, do you then try to grab Liam Lawson if Alfatari sticks with Daniel Ricardo? And to be fair, Liam Lawson, as you guys have pointed out, has performed extremely well in an Alfatari. And obviously we know what Alex Albon's being able to get out of the Williams. So you'd hope that a competent, good young driver, although you know we all hope that about Logan Sargent, he hasn't put the results together. You hope Lawson would be able to get into a Williams and possibly do the same. So certainly a, a lot to to watch out for from those next four seats. As we mentioned, Joe Grant, you might be close to re-upping with Alfa Romeo, eventually Sauber. Prediction time, my favorite portion of the show. Uh, I'm going to recap where we stand for our viewers and our listeners. Lawrence, you were at the top of Pops with 36 points. Nate, a close second with 34 points. Katie trails at 29 points. However... Uh, However, yeah, I was going to say, I thought you were going to not give yourself credit again for missing I'm the not. first two, but I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, you did miss two two races, so I did. big asterisks, big asterisks next to your big name. Asterisk. I just, I just okay, say. I appreciate that. But because Lawrence sits at the top, he gets to choose first. And I really hope you go for it. You know, just like really go out there, really just factor in reliability issues, just gamble with this one because you got the points to be able to do it, Lawrence. No, that's exactly what I did in Monza, and it backfired terribly. Uh, and Nate got within two points. Hoping so now I'm, 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 I'm playing the percentages. Now I'm, I'm consolidating my lead. I'm okay. going really boring. Max Verstappen oh. wins. Okay. Checo Perez second. Lewis Hamilton third. Wow. All right. I dig it. I dig it. Nathaniel. I. On a high from last time out, when I got all three, I'm going to go risky. I'm going to, for the first time in about 15 races, uh, well, not 15 races, but He's however long it's been. Power. Yeah, I think so. Uh, completely un- unrealistically as well. I'm going to say Perez wins, return of the street king. Fernando Alonso second, Lewis Hamilton third. That would be a great race. Um, so I think at this point I'm going for most entertaining race over <laughs> most realistic race outcome. Not that you have to put this in your predictions, but what has happened to Max Verstappen? Just want to. He is leading by seventy-eight seconds, and then <laughs> and then he goes to lap uh, Logan Sargent, and the two of them collide, <laughs> and then Max finishes fourth because he has to. He's got such a big lead, he can crawl back with like half half a wing, oh three tires, but he doesn't win the race. That would so be if, a, hell if, of a hell of a script. If that all comes off, I think I, I win automatically. If that all <laughs> step by step is what happens, I think we just cancel the game. Did you see quickly a quick one? Some some guy tweeted about uh, about an hour before the Jets played the other night. He was like, 
oh, I imagine in, in an hour if if Rogers is sitting on the turf at MetLife with a snapped Achilles, and everyone's no, tweeting it out. There was some, I don't know, there was some tweet going around that people were like, what, you know, what's the price of Bitcoin going to be next year? Like, like I, 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 maybe, maybe I got hoodwinked by a fake tweet, but I saw that and I was like, that guy either was very lucky with his prediction or has some kind of weird, weird, sadistic crystal ball in his house. <laughs> yeah, because I'll find the tweet and I'll send it to you. Find the tweet and send it to me because I would like to see that. Because um, that was an unbelievable. Yeah, it's crazy. Sequence of events. If you're an NFL fan, which I know both of you know because of your draft, you are. But I mean, what just anyways, we could do a whole podcast on that. Sorry, massive, right. massive tangent for me. Apologies. Yes. Well, a good one. Okay. I'm gonna go with Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, followed by Fernando Alonso. Just give me all the champions on the podium in Singapore. Okay. Love that. Love that. Yeah, we shall see. I don't have um a whole lot of points to play with here. So I can't get really out there. I got to stay within the box. Um, all right, gentlemen, you have to go to bed. What time is it in Singapore? Are you staying up? It What's your is, schedule? Yeah, it's five to 11, but because it's a night race, uh, what a lot of people do is stay on a European schedule. Uh, so you stay on European time, which would make it roughly uh, five to four, 4 p.m. Yeah, 4 p.m. Yeah, coming up to 4 p.m. So um, I'll probably go out and get some get some dinner, meet up with some other journalists, and might might hit the hay at about two a.m. three a.m. Oof. Yeah, but then I but then I won't get up the next day until I don't know one p.m. It's a bit weird. But the, the the problem is I'm then going to Japan. Not that it's a problem, but I'm going then going to Japan. And if you leave yourself on European time, you completely screw yourself for uh, for getting to Japan. So uh, yeah, I've got to figure out a strategy. Okay. Which, as you can probably tell, I don't have in place right now. I was going to say, we'll leave I'm, you to that. Dinner. <laughs> Get some food and we'll leave you to that strategy. Godspeed. Uh, remember, if you're watching on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment and give us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you. Enjoy Singapore. Lawrence, we can't wait to hear your thoughts on the race. We'll be back next week with Unlapped. Thanks for listening. Cheers. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate.